You are Locked On Bucks, your daily podcast on the Milwaukee Bucks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Backs him down. Giannis into the lane. Giannis spinning. Welcome to Locked on Bucks. I'm Eric Name. Joining me as always is my good friend Frank Madden. And Frank, Bucks aren't uh, aren't doing so good. They lose 127-120 to the Los Angeles Clippers tonight. Uh, we'll get to the game in a second. I think the thing most people would be worried about would be Giannis Antetokounmpo and his ankle. Uh, he turned it, sprained his ankle in the second quarter, I believe, with five or so minutes left in the second quarter. Uh, did not return to the game. After the game, one of the weirder scenes I'm going to attempt to describe, um, we were waiting in the locker room. Uh, I was under the impression Giannis had already left, and a puppy is brought into the locker room, uh, Golden Retriever puppy, and Henson stops his conversation with whoever he was talking to and just goes, puppy! Um, and goes and like pets the puppy. Uh, the puppy goes into a back room and Henson starts telling Giannis that he's got a puppy. Um, and a minute or so later, Giannis walks out with the puppy and walks by everyone and that was that um so Giannis was walking there was a limp in his gait um but there was no crutches anything like that like it was just kind of walking on it um so i again i don't know how you can grade that ankle sprain but a, a right ankle sprain for Giannis and not really sure of the severity of it um, so I guess it'll kind of just be a, a wait and see there as we attempt to figure out more. The Bucks have the Bulls on Friday, um, so he would have a day to recover tomorrow if he would need it. Um, but, yeah, that is your Giannis update, and I guess kind of your puppy update um, because that ended up superseding Giannis. Is that, uh, is that maybe also the Bucks' potential best strategy defensively like when the other team has the ball to like let up like a golden retriever puppy onto the court and hope it hope it distracts them that's not a bad idea it it, that doesn't seem like a bad idea frank here uh because we're brainstorming no yeah no idea is a bad idea uh because i mean can a can a can a puppy like correctly like hedge a pick and roll or would be more of a zone drop i don't know um i don't know what a a puppy's best option would be but um yeah the bucks have no have no prayers of stopping anybody anymore i think officially the last four games in particular um they have just bled points no matter no matter the opponent um and you know you almost fell into the trap of trusting the bucks on a night when this was a clear uh schedule loss for the clippers five games in seven nights and the Clippers run out and score 120, what, six, two? 127. And the fun, 127 points. And the fun thing Joe Prunty uh, mentioned to us after the game was um, one of those buckets came on something other than free throws, a three, 
or a shot at the rim. And uh, you can check the numbers if you want to, but I'll do yeah, it for you. Two mid-range, points, two mid-range points. Points in the paint, 58. 15 threes, 15 times three is 45. And then 22 made free throws. That gets you to 125. And as you mentioned, uh, just two points in the mid-range for the Los Angeles Clippers. So um, the Bucks have managed to mori ball eyes and maybe we shouldn't call that anymore because the Rockets use the ISO so much. Um, but essentially, they let every <laughs> they let the Clippers, who aren't a team that really does this, that I think they're in the low twenties as far as three point attempt rate and all of that goes. They let them get whatever they wanted at the rim, whatever they wanted at the three point line, and to the free throw line. The three most efficient ways to score the basketball, the Bucks gave up, and. Yeah, that's what happens when you do that. Uh, you give up 127 points. Yeah, and I mean, keep in mind, at least the Rockets, even with their ISO offense, still just get mostly layups and threes. Yep. Um, it, although Chris Paul does sometimes like those mid-rangers. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, th- this was, you know, I mean, I tweeted about it. Like, even when the Bucks were down, uh, this, I mean, this was a very typical Bucks game, right? I mean, they got down... Um, by double digits pretty early uh tonight it was andre deandre jordan in particular causing them all sorts of problems what did he have 17 and 16 in the first half i think um 14 and 10 after a quarter yeah 14 10 after a quarter finishes with 25 points and 22 boards um also hit basically game the game clinching free throws uh even after jet was trying to mess with his brain um he did have seven turnovers but uh you know 25 points on just 13 shots eight offensive rebounds, 14 defensive rebounds. Um, I mean, John Henson just, like, the first three minutes of the game, he looked like he had no clue about what to do with DeAndre Jordan or anybody, nope. and uh, that that pretty much continued throughout. And you know it was bad when, you know, Zeller made, like, Zeller lost DeAndre in transition, then immediately got pulled, and the answer was, oh, we're going to put in Thon Maker. I was like, uh, really? That's A team best to... plus 12, Thon plus Maker, 12. excuse That's me. True. Um, yeah, I mean, Thon, uh, bad things didn't happen, at least when Thon was in the game. Yeah. Um, but he, you know, two rebounds in 14 minutes, uh, I guess that's a good haul for him. Uh, but, uh, yeah, that was a problem. And Montrez Harrell, DeAndre's backup, had 13 points in 11 minutes on 10 shots. Uh, so basically the Bucks just, you know, 38 points given up to uh, Clipper centers tonight on 23 shots. So uh, that that was pretty much the story. And, you know, on top of that, um, Austin Rivers becoming like a useful NBA player has been really disappointing for everybody, um, <laughs> including me. Um, he hit five threes, including a big one late. Uh, Twenty-two. I mean, he did take seventeen shots. He missed a bunch of layups, but um, twenty-two points on seventeen shots. Obviously, he uh, was very, very helpful. And you know, Lou Williams got his nineteen on on eleven shots. Tobias Harris got eighteen on fourteen shots. Me, your boy Milos. Only four assists in 28 minutes, but they uh, missed a bunch of, of shots for him, Frank. Yeah, screwing, <laughs> screwing him out of buckets. Uh, but he ends up with 15 points on eight shots. So yeah, I mean, just a really efficient scoring scoring night. Uh, the Clippers put up a 124 offensive rating, um, which again, like that, that's a great recipe for how to lose a basketball game. Um, and if you guys were wondering, they gave up 126 to the Clippers they gave up 123 to the Magic um, so that's three times in four games now that they've given up a, you know a 123 plus defensive rating if you're wondering 
how many times that's happened this season that they've given up 123 plus. They gave up 123 to the Pistons in that big loss that you guys might recall. Yep. Uh, they gave up 130 in that loss to the Nuggets. Uh, that was right before the All-Star break. And to find another game, uh, this was, I think, uh, yeah, this was this was the game that I remember at one point they were on pace to have the worst, like the worst defensive game of like the modern Bucks era um, against Toronto on January 5th. They ended up at 136.9. I think that was the worst of the Jason Kidd era. And then he was obviously fired a few weeks later. So, um, so yeah, uh, the, you know, I, I've in the past, I've said, you know, when the Bucks defensive wheels have just really, really, really come off that, you know, they've sort of passed the event horizon for those of you who don't like astronomy, that is the point at which uh, light can no longer escape a black hole and uh, basically all things disappear. Uh, and and by the way, uh, I feel like now we're getting into the at uh, uh, nihilist underscore bucks Twitter account type type part of the show. But um, but yeah, that this it feels like the any any semblance of the bucks giving a shit defensively has has come and gone. Uh, not as we've been reminded by the Bucks over the last 24 hours, Bill Prunty is the head coach, not the interim coach, but the lame duck coach by all uh, by uh, by by certainly any indication of the Bucks' willingness to really play defense in any sort of coherent way. Uh, they are officially mailing it in defensively at this point, and um, yeah, you know, um, I mean, it's ironic, right? Uh, I'm, I mean, I'm looking at the Bucks' game log; their defense was surprisingly good during that week stretch kind of from mid-January through uh, mid-February. And then, you know, now they're just in complete off-rails mode. And um, again, with this team, like, and, and how little time is left in the season. And with Giannis being hurt, who knows if, you know, he'll miss any time. Hopefully not. Um, I, I would say, you know, the the Bucks, the Bucks are very much in just, eh, screw it. We'll just try to outscore you with, you know, random sort of pickup type sets and, <laughs> Yep. and see if it works and uh i mean they are scoring a ton of points i mean they have they have scored a ton of points the last six games now but again you know they can't they, they, being better than their terrible defense is a, a really tough ask and uh you know another opportunity to to get a win tonight granted the clippers came in this game with the same record as as the bucks 37 and 33 but as we said this was um you know by espn's calculations a a clear schedule loss for the Clippers, but hashtag never trust the Bucks. You mentioned the 123 number against both the Magic and Clippers, and it's hard not to just be infuriated by that because neither of those teams should have had legs. They should not have had the legs to put up that type of number uh, because obviously we went through everything that that the Clippers are doing here uh, with the very short amount of time in between games, I think three in the last four or something of that nature. Um, yeah, yeah. A, a back-to-back, or a road back-to-back here uh, for them as well. And they just shouldn't have had the legs for this. And you just, you, there should not be a world where they can put up uh, that amount of points because you should be able to make it just difficult enough for them that they have to attempt to break their second wind, and then they shouldn't be able to get to their second wind because they've played too much too often uh, in too short of a period of time. And it just didn't happen tonight. And um, I don't know, it's kind of a, it's kind of an interesting spot just because. The Bucks have to be better. Um, I think 
bringing someone back like Malcolm Brogdon helps. I think Delhi helps. But at some point, a, a switch needs to be flipped. And I remember bringing that up at, what, the first couple weeks of the Bledsoe era. And you got, you're furious. You're like, no, this Bucks team is not good enough to think that they can flip the switch. And I've kind of told you this whole time that I think they think they are good enough to flip a switch. And uh, now they've taken this to the most extreme example where they just refuse to play defense and then hope somehow miraculously in the fourth quarter they'll either be in the lead and then attempt to play some defense. But at that point, it doesn't work. And I guess this is a really stupid suggestion uh, because I understand that it won't work. But damn, sometimes you watch this Bucks team and you think to yourself, would it be better if they were just playing straight up man defense? No scheme, just you stay in front of your man. Like, I just would like to see at some point this Bucks team have some pride in keeping someone in front of them because everyone's helping. Everyone's all over the place. I'm going to go help here. I'm going to go help there. There's over help all over the place. So no one, no one feels especially accountable to keep their guy in front of them. And there's baseline drives, and there's allowing guys to get to the middle of the floor, and there's no box outs for uh, DeAndre Jordan. Like, there's just so much stuff. And, uh, I mean, as you watch this team, obviously we talk about uh, a new coach coming in. And, again, this isn't the interim coach. This is the head coach of the Milwaukee Bucks. But he is <laughs> a lame duck head coach of the Milwaukee Bucks. He is uh, not going to be the head coach. Yeah, come come whatever the last whatever the last day of the season is. Uh he will if not. it's a first round sweep or whatever then that that'll be the end of Joe Prenti's tenure as Milwaukee Bucks. Correct. Coach, yes. So, he is a lame duck coach and and in that you're just kind of seeing I mean just an ugly effort and again not that uh, maybe they've quit on him. I don't I don't really know what to say. Um because uh, I would have had to think that they gave a shit earlier than that. <laughs> I don't. For a while this season, it appears that they haven't really cared. That that, like I said, I talked about flipping a switch at the start of the Bledsoe era. So it, that has only gotten worse. So I I don't necessarily know that you could say that Joe Prunty has lost them um, because maybe they were lost already. Uh, but uh, I don't see the defensive effort coming back anytime soon. Yeah, I mean, they, you know, again, like, I mean, we've talked about all year, like, once you come into the season trying to play, you know, really a failed defensive style, right, that hasn't worked in three years, and you can tweak around the margins, you know, you can tell guys to zone drop a, you know, a pick and roll, but, um, you know, the modern NBA, I mean, that's, that's not like going to be that, you know, if you think that just by tweaking something, like, then you're going to be better than all the teams that have been working on this all summer or you know all camp and all season then you know you better have the absolute best defensive personnel in the league and have a bunch of really smart you know smartest guys in the league too and um i think you know certainly the bucks seem to in theory have a lot of like solid personnel certainly less now with you know jabari and jennings in the rotation but um and with thon maker you know kind of just being pretty disastrous you know in a sophomore yep. year really not progressing but um but certainly i mean you wouldn't look at this you know you could go through on the list of the top 10 defensive teams in the league and you know you can pick out questionable defenders on all those teams right yep. um 
but but yeah, I mean, it, it, the bar is high. Like you can't just sort of flip a switch and say like, okay, now like what what is it? What does a good team do? Uh, they zone drop, and you know what, what did the Celtics do early in the season? Oh, let's just, just do that, right? I mean, you can't just copycat your way to an elite anything. Um, you know, not that there isn't you know borrowing of tactics across uh, across you know the, the league and things like that. But but yeah, I mean, they're they're a disaster at this point, and um, you know. Uh, I mean, what can you say defensively? I mean, again, like the off, we were complaining about the offense for a while. Well, the offense is like Just scoring fine. pretty easily right now. Yep. Yeah, they're scoring. I mean, they had 33 assists tonight. <laughs> they scored, a, you know, at ease, 55 percent from the field only, and this was hitting only eight out of 26 from three. I mean, they didn't even shoot well from three. Only 12 out of 17 from the line. Bledsoe. Just gave away points left and right from the. He was four out of eight. He missed a bunch of crucial free throws in the fourth quarter um, when they were trying to come back. And you know, I mean, that's the crazy part. I mean, they were with you know they were trailing by double digits for a large portion of this game, and they had it to what within four in the final ninety seconds, I think. Yep. Um, and but every time, you know, it was just sort of fitting every time they they thought they might have a chance um you know la came back with either a three or a dunk or or some free throws yeah and uh and that that was the story so um you know again like the bucks you know even when even when the offense goes pretty well you know i mean again on the margins like you know the bucks are always fighting math and math is is winning I wouldn't say math is undefeated, but it's 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 pretty close to undefeated. Um, it's going to be tough to defy that, and it's just funny. Recently, uh, the last week or so, I've started to get some tweets from people that say like, "Oh, I thought you said everything would be fixed when they got rid of kid, and the schemes would be better." And it's like, guys, one, you should listen to our podcast more often because we we would have told you about this. But two, nothing's changed. Just Jason Kidd is gone. Like the schemes are still the same. Offense, defense, still the same. That is that isn't changing until a new coach comes in, and stuff stuff like that'll happen. Or someone will tell me like, "Oh, Thon is so bad," and it was just like, "Well, remember when we asked, is Thon Maker an NBA player?" Like we we already did that. Like all of these things are kind of coming true, and I understand people just are are venting frustration. And tonight another one came through where it was just like. Oh, remember when you told us that they didn't need DeAndre Jordan? And it was like, yeah, I do. Um, and I still feel that way. Like, it, because DeAndre Jordan went off on John Henson and Thon Maker, like, that doesn't make me feel like DeAndre Jordan is an all-world player. And that's not even getting into what you'd have to give up to get DeAndre Jordan. Or, or like, there's just so many of those things where I think I guess people want to come back with I told you so's and it's just like well all of these things are were kind of expected um and you you the first thing I believe the first thing you said to me tonight and I hope you don't mind me sharing this was hey Eric you got that fast forward button yeah that's <laughs> that's where we're at right now uh because uh, and especially in a, on a night I assume for you um, when Giannis is out, like you, you really like you wouldn't just hit the fast forward button once. Like you would get it all the way up to like <laughs> times thirty uh, to get through that. Yeah, I mean it was. I mean the interesting subplot, obviously, is the fact that then Jabari Parker starts a half for the first time all season, and you know you actually get to see Jabari with the first team offense, which you know I mean, well, first off, I love Marcus Johnson. He had some line at the beginning of the third quarter where it was just like. 
this could actually be a good thing because you get to see, you know, you put guys in position. I, I don't exactly remember what Marcus said, but somebody in fact of like, you know, you force guys to have to play without Giannis and whatever. And not a good thing. Not something I I'm love, interested I lo- in. in I anyway. love Marcus. I love Marcus, but I heard that comment. I was just like, good God, give me a break. <laughs> like, and I think he even said something like, well, it's like, hopefully you win the game. It's like, yeah, you're, you're, not gonna win the game if <laughs> like <laughs> these guys can barely win with the honest now are you expecting like oh no um but i mean they came back you know they made it a game blah 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 you know good job good effort yada yada um but uh yeah i mean this team has 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 given themselves very little margin of error just the way that they've they've been playing especially defensively um that is just it's just tough um and you know on a night when chris middleton 23 points on 17 shots, six assists, four steals. Yeah, you take that from Middleton, right? Man, that um, whole uh, playing against good teams thing sure does not seem to matter at all when the Bucks play like garbage overall, huh? No, and it, to be honest, yeah, I mean, like it doesn't feel like that trend has really continued for, for a while now. I mean, Middleton's obviously had some clunkers, but it doesn't seem like – I mean, he's had definitely good games against some good teams, but then when they lose anyway, then obviously nobody really cares and you yep. know people still complain about Chris. Um, you know, it's funny. He hit a late three, like a no hesitation, semi-contested, like I think it was. Yeah. I don't think he dribbled into it. Right um, wing three. I think it was catch and shoot right wing three. And um, I was just texting with someone, and they were like, you know, that shot drives me nuts because he could shoot that shot all the time. And he all, you know, like he's got that, like, you know, like we were saying, like, especially because people don't expect him to really, I mean, I don't even think even defenses expect him. Like they don't, I don't even know if defenses, do defenses even close out as hard on Chris Middleton at this point, given that they expect if you're in the vicinity that he's going to try to put it on the floor and do something else with it. Because, um, I just feel just, like he has gravity kind of, in general. Like he just has like a, enough gravity in general that. When, since he's slow enough, like no one closes out in a hurry, if that makes sense. Like they're yeah. already close by, and since they're already close by, like they really don't need to close out in a hurry. Yeah, yeah, and he's just so easy to to run off the line, um, and that's just the thing. I mean, you know, we we say it again, like when when they were trying to come back, it's just you know, Bledsoe shooting mid range jump shot. I don't I don't know how Bledsoe managed with nineteen points on fifteen shots. Probably because he just, I mean, that's the thing about he got a bunch so of layups like, late. Yeah, yeah. I mean, especially when you compare like Bledsoe, Bledsoe with somebody like Jennings. Like Brandon Jennings can't get a layup in an NBA basketball game unless it's like an uncontested fast break. Like he's yeah. not, he's not strong enough, quick enough. He's too small. He can't. I mean, he, he literally he just can't get layups in, in especially in a half court. Bledsoe, I mean, had struggled early on. He got pissed off at the refs as well. I mean, I I don't <laughs> yeah, know how he, he didn't mad. get attacked after he slammed the court um, after one time where where Jordan had made contact with him, but. After that, um, yeah, he was knifing the lane. He was getting layups. Um, yeah, I mean, that's something, again, like, we kind of take it for granted because it's just like, oh, he should do that because he's fast and strong. Yep. Um, and, and that's, I think, how he oftentimes – I mean, I think, like, in general, people – you know, like, if, if you just went kind of by our, like, sort of Twitter reactions of Eric Bledsoe, you'd think he was, like, a, you know, 50% true shooting guy, which is really bad. Um, but he's actually above average because, yeah, I mean, he's – physically talented he can go make shots for himself you know that that the average point guard maybe can't so um so i mean it it was kind of a weird game because he ends up you know he was just one of four on threes um he finally hit one late late in the game that i think brought i don't know if that was the one that brought them to within four or five um 
but ends up with 19 points on 15 shots, eight assists, surprisingly only two turnovers. Um, but uh, again, like, you know, offense wasn't the problem. You know, ultimately the offense wasn't, wasn't bad. I mean, Jabari gives you 20 points, his first 20-point game on nine out of 15 shooting. Didn't make a three, oh out of four. Um, six boards, three assists, two steals, a block. Did have three turnovers. Um, you know, and thinking the second half in particular, I mean, he, he I mean, he was like... It, he, he was going to get buckets, you know, yep. um, and for the most part, you know, he was pretty effective in doing that. Uh, unfortunately, the Bucks were down two in the third quarter. He has a chance. He basically goes like more, I think, more or less end to end and had kind of a contested like I don't want to call it a layup, but, you know, a short banker that rims out, which could have tied the game. And immediately thereafter, it was 67, 65. Clippers go on a quick 5-0 run. It goes 72, 65. And when that happened, I kind of just felt like man it's another hump game bucks dig themselves a huge hole make some runs it's the nba blah 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 but they just they're just not going to be able to dig themselves out of it especially when you can't get stops you know like how are you going to are you going to claw back from like a double digit lead against a team that is on fire offensively when you can't string together stops and i mean they they got a couple of turnovers late in the game when they really started sort of throwing the kitchen sink with pressing and you know running to multiple guys at at the clippers and you know the clippers turned over 21 times um but you know absent that obviously this game wouldn't wouldn't have been as close as it was and and it's like because you look at that and so the at halftime it's 67 57 or excuse me 64 57 uh milos gets the first bucket of the second half goes up to 67 57 and from that point on that would have been a 10-0 run and the Clippers were missing some close ones. They had, uh, I think, a turnover or two in there, a, a pull-up jumper that they missed. Like when you're playing a team on a schedule alert game, like there's part of me that thinks, okay, that's that's how this goes. That you can kind of get yourself to that moment, get to 67, 65. You put that one in 67, 67. 10-0 run, Clippers probably call timeout, and then from there you can kind of, you know, just take care of business. Like, they, they again, I'm getting tired of saying this, but this is the NBA. Like, when you play that many games in such a short stretch, like, you want to fold it in. Like, they, your body just does not want to keep going, and if a team comes in the second half and punches you in the mouth, there's a, a chance that you fold it in, and and maybe the Clippers don't. They're they're obviously a team that's 37 and they were 37 33 coming into the game, so they've they've won some games, but there's just that that chance. And like you said, it just felt like all the air came out of the balloon there. Like it could have been 67 67. Instead, it goes down to the other end, 72 65, and well, just like that, you're you're back to playing catch up again. And again, it's the defense. Defense got to figure it out. Offense, as much as we complain about it looking ugly, as much as we complain about the offense uh, not moving the ball from station to station, looking like it has any flow, it's been just fine. It's the defense. And the defense, uh, I don't know if you're fixing it, but you got to have better effort. You got to have better execution. Even, Even in a flawed system, execution matters. Like you, you still do need to make some plays within that and and make it happen. And that didn't happen tonight. 
Um, I think I'm done talking about this game. Anything else you want to mention? Well, I mean, I think obviously the, you know, obvious excuse for the Bucks as well. We lost Giannis in the first half, right? Um, and it's it's always going to be hard when you lose, you know, your MVP candidate. Uh, but, you know, you mentioned the score. I mean, they were down seven at halftime, right? I mean, Giannis played 17 minutes the first half, played most of the first half, uh, 12 points on nine shots, two assists, a steal, three blocks, uh, but did have four turnovers as well. Um, kind of a ragged game, even with Giannis, but he was kind of starting to make some plays and again i mean you can only wonder you know obviously what might happen if if you have your best player for the rest of the the game um maybe the result obviously is different but uh but again i mean you know the bucks um maybe at the very outset like didn't i think they i mean they had a lead early right yep uh but then eventually uh you know by the end of the first quarter (laughs) 38 to 24 i mean you know it's it's a killer and you know i don't know what uh joe prunty was trying to accomplish by throwing jet into the starting five other than maybe uh forcing him to have to actually if he's part of the starters and he can't blame the starters i guess (laughs) um (laughs) he was uh two out of six from three in 29 minutes uh, a couple of assists um yeah i don't know i mean tony snell only plays 11 minutes we saw sterling brown sterling brown has it's kind of funny. I mean, Sterling Brown had had a nice stretch of games. Really nice um, stretch. And then kind of, you know, might have had like one bad game. And then he sort of like didn't play really much at all the last three games. And it's kind of funny when the Bucks play horrible defense and show no real backbone um, that – maybe the guy you have who has the nastiest streak and again like tonight i mean he had three fouls he got caught cut a couple times like you know got caught up on screens a couple times i mean far from like a flawless you know 12 minute stretch here from sterling brown um he did go three out of four hit his only three three boards and assist um but sterling brown i mean you know it's sort of these things like sterling brown actually plays with an edge like he actually plays like he cares um he plays with some toughness he gets rebounds he gets loose balls uh there's something kind of screwed up to me uh and again i don't know what happens in practice um but it seems like kind of like yeah you get what you pay for when you know you're not playing a guy who you know as part of the second unit actually brings that edge he's an mfer Um, he is an an mfer yeah um and so i don't know so shout out to sterling brown um you know again like in 2018 i mean judd has given them surprisingly good minutes especially after that bad start um you know again i i i'm generally a jet fan uh you know i i i had major doubts after his horrible start to the season but um you know he's been okay uh but it, it, I think it does say a lot, um, and Joe Prunty certainly has been no different from Jason Kidd in terms of over-relying on Jet at the expense of Sterling Brown and Tony Snell. And, um, you know, I'm going to say Tony Snell is still a better NBA basketball player than, than Jason Terry. And certainly Sterling Brown um, is going to have more of a say in the long-term future of this team than, than Jet. And he's also obviously more versatile, bigger, more athletic, et cetera. So, um, yeah, I again, I, you know, um, not to make this like a big jet referendum pod, but um, th- to me, that's kind of a that's kind of a problem. Also, one other thing. I mean, I, I am not a Shabazz Muhammad fan. I did not I was not a fan of that signing. I don't know why they played him 
as much as they have with Giannis, given Giannis needs floor spacers and Shabazz is like a post-up forward, like hybrid forward. Um, but Shabazz actually gave them good minutes tonight, hit six out of eight again, like pretty much all going at the, you know, in the paint, kind of shooting little post-up jump hooks, things like that. But 12 points, four boards, two assists, and a steal in 14 minutes plus one, um, you know, can't complain about what uh, what Muhammad gave them but you know he was another guy who took like a 17 18 seconds left on the clock you know wing 19 foot jumper tonight which is just sort of like it's a bad one it's you know it's just I mean Bledsoe does that pretty much everybody on the roster I mean we saw Henson take an early yep. like like Henson had the ball looking for a post-entry pass and like DeAndre slacked off him and it was like early in the clock and Henson jacks up a jumper, which he misses. I mean, pretty much this entire roster is full of guys who are, you know, willing to shoot mid-range jumpers early in the clock. And, you know, again, these are 35%, 40%. If you're Henson, maybe less than 35%. Um, These are 35, 40% shots. You know, Chris is basically the exception. Chris has been like insanely good, like hitting about half of his mid-range jump shots this year. Um, But if it's a 35 to 40% shot, I mean, again, that's worth 0.7 points per per possession, 0.8 points per possession. You know, even if you're a guy who shoots... 25 to 30% from three, you're better off shooting, you know, especially as all these spot up threes that the Bucks have chances at that they turn down and instead shoot off the dribble long twos. It's like, there's no way these, these off dribble twos are more valuable on an expected basis than these, you know, catch and shoot threes. But um, again, it's just, it just feels like you just watch this team. And again, offense, I, I understand offense was not the problem tonight. Um, but just in general, you know, it just, it's just a team that just just they just play stupid so 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 much of the time and i don't think the coaches get it either certainly jason kidd didn't get it um and it's just like i don't know i mean it's just it's just kind of crazy you know and you see a team like the clippers you know score 125 out of 127 on you know paint threes and free throws and it's like yeah, that's that's how you lose when you have you know that that's that's your seven point margin right there, right? Just the difference between you know wasting and some possessions. Is, and that. Defensively, we're always told by Joe Prunty that you can't give up both. You can't give up both shots at the rim and shots from three. And it's just like, did you hear what you just said? Shouldn't you be going after those things? Like if you're actively on defense, trying not to give up those things. Why don't you go after those things offensively? Why isn't that that not ingrained into your players' brains that get rid of the mid-range jumpers and, and go get that? But like you said, the offense, not the problem tonight and hasn't been the problem for the last week, week and a half. Uh, it is all about the defense, and that needs to get better. Um, you good? Well, I'm not good, Eric. Well, I know that. Um, You're probably not going to sleep yeah. tonight trying to figure out if Giannis is going to be back. I almost, I mean, it's such a weird spot, right? Because, I mean, I know people have been asking, you know, people are now drifting, especially with, I mean, this team's going to lose its draft pick, uh, lose both of, it, both of its pick, but most importantly, its first round pick with, with how bad they've been of late. Um, you know, I've heard people kind of asking about like, well, what if they just tank, right? And first off, I mean... The, 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 they're way too proud to you know tank obviously they're the front office isn't gonna like shut Chris and Giannis and 
Bledsoe down in order to lose games and protect their draft pick. But um, I think it's actually, I mean, you know, if they like lost their remaining games and Detroit slash, uh, well, one of Detroit and Charlotte actually won games, then it's possible. But I mean, those teams have been so bad that it's really difficult to lose, you know, whatever it is a five game uh, lead or whatever it might be on those teams. So um, I, I don't, as bad as the Bucks have been, um, it, it does not seem like that is in any way likely likely to happen. Although, um, even though their pick is only protected 11 to 16, uh, if they did drop, you know, whatever, whichever team in the East uh, misses the playoffs, like the ninth, the ninth team in the East, um, you know, they're, they're going to be in decent. I mean, like the Clippers pick right now is projected to be 12th. Charlotte's is 10th. So it's all pretty close. Um, and again, like, so right now, if the Bucks were the, where the Pistons, they would still lose their pick and it'd be even more agonizing because then it'd be the 12th pick. But, um, but again, Charlotte is just, you know, basically a game and a half behind them and, and they're in the 10th spot. So anyway, uh, let's just say this. Don't spend time thinking about how the Bucks can tank to keep their pick because I just, it's just not really very feasible. Um, although I suppose if, you know, we come back tomorrow with news that Giannis tore ligaments in his ankle or something like that, which again would seem kind of surprising given that he, seemed to be walking without a limp when he went to the when he went to the locker room a and slight limp. um you know yeah like seemed to be walking it wasn't in a boot or anything coming out like you know Giannis generally kind of bounces back quickly from these turned ankles but um you never know right uh, we we've been pretty spoiled with Giannis's health and uh as as we've pointed out as well obviously they've you know taken chances to to rest him at times so you know, maybe strategically they decide to rest him, even if that ankle is is decent enough to play on Friday, right? I mean, that that could certainly be something they do. Although, <laughs> if they rest Giannis and then lose to the Bulls, uh, I mean, it would be hilarious. It would be really sad, and also it wouldn't really matter because let's be honest, this Bucks team is pretty much locked into the Herb Cole Memorial eight spot, regardless. Um, and uh, yeah, I don't know. Um, that's that's not really going to sell many playoff tickets, I guess, is it? Nope, can't imagine it will. That's going to be it for us. Uh, we'll see. Um, I would not be shocked if Giannis sat out on Friday night. Um, I believe the Bulls lost by, oh, 33 points to the Denver Nuggets tonight. So um, that is who the Bucks have on Friday night. So, you know, maybe there's a strategic rest there, but we'll see. We'll talk about it all tomorrow. Bucks lose 127-120. Uh, they have an offensive rating of 117, a defensive rating of 123.8. Spoiler alert, that won't get it done. For Frank, I'm Eric. This has been Lockdown Bucks. We'll talk to you tomorrow.